The following audio is from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. 2 Timothy, chapter 4. I hope to finish the chapter today. We'll be looking at verses 6 through 22. And not only this chapter, but we come to the end of 2 Timothy, and we come to the end of our series uh, that we've been working our way through for months, for months now uh, on the pastoral epistles, those letters written by the Apostle Paul to various pastors in ministry. We had 1 Timothy, we went to Titus, and now concluding with 2 Timothy. And we wanted to end here with 2 Timothy because this is, in fact, the last letter that the apostle writes, not only to Timothy, but it's the last letter we have in our New Testament Bibles. And you'll see that today as we finish up the chapter, the kind of the concluding remarks, as if Paul is finishing up not only his thoughts towards Timothy, but he's reflecting on his whole life of service and ministry to the Lord. Paul is in prison as he writes this letter. Most historians believe that shortly after this letter, Paul would be martyred for his faith. And again, you'll see it even in his writing. He knows the end is near. He realizes that things are moving towards the end of this life, but he's looking forward to the eternal life that he's been living for all his saved life. And I've entitled today's message, The Journey of a lifetime. The journey of a lifetime. And the Christian life is a journey. And we are on a mission, if you will, of the Lord for the work and purpose of his kingdom. God is leading us all on this journey of his purpose and plan. And Paul, he ran his race and we have ours to run as well. And Paul was very mindful of this, not only here in 2 Timothy, but All through his ministry life, you see Paul's passion and commitment to be faithful to what God has called him to. I'll remind you of Acts 20, 24. I'll I'll be there with you in just a moment in 2 Timothy. But Paul said this to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He said, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the go- to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I've lived my whole life to run this race well, to preach Christ wherever he would give me opportunity. Well, he's come to the end of that race and he's come to the end of that course. And he writes to Timothy, and I want us to kind of glean some truth for our own heart here today. I'm going to break it up into three sections. The course of the journey, the people of the journey, and the Lord of the journey. Take a look with me. Paul talks about this whole course of his journey. Verse 6, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see the kind of the closing idea of Paul's thoughts now. I'm coming to the end, Timothy. And I'm writing to you not only to encourage you, but to consider that you would also run your course well. Three things that Paul points out as he talks about this course of his life. He speaks of his present condition. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Now a drink offering, in Paul's understanding, he was referencing the Old Testament imagery where the priests would pour out a drink offering, one in the morning and one in the evening. They would pour out this offering before the Lord. It was part of the daily sacrifices that they offered to the Lord. And Paul is saying, in the same way that that the priests were offering something to the Lord, my whole life has become an offering to the Lord. And I'm being poured out. I've been being poured out, and I'm now ready to be completely poured out. 
It's the idea of complete devotion to the call and purpose of God. It communicates the idea that even, if, even unto the end, even unto death, my life belongs to the Lord. I've given it to God. My life is an offering to him. You may, may remember what Jesus said out of Mark chapter eight thirty-five, And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Jesus says this, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel of the good news, you will save it. You know, there's a tendency for us to hold on to our lives. We don't want to surrender or offer our lives to the Lord. We're not sure what he has planned. We're not sure that it'll work out as good as our plan. We would much rather have the Lord help us live our life and the things that we would like to see accomplished But Jesus says, you know, if you try to hold on to all of your ideas, your ambition, your plans, your purposes, you know what? You're going to miss out on life. You're going to lose your life. What life? The life that I've planned for you. The life that I created you for. But if you'll lose that, if you'll let go of that and embrace the life that I have called you to, give your life to me, lay your life down for my purpose and my plan, that's where you're going to find life indeed. That's the best use of your life, of my life, is to allow God's purposes to be accomplished. Well, it's risky because we don't know exactly where they'll lead. And, and, you know, we kind of have a better idea, we think, for our own plan. But no, God is calling us to lay that one down and to embrace his. And maybe you remember this from Jesus also. Now I'm quoting out of Matthew chapter 11, 28. Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, quit trying to go your way. What are you discovering there? That it's, it's heavy and it's burdensome and it's wearisome. Come and learn from me. Take my yoke, my plan, the work that I've created and called you to. Put that on your shoulders and you'll find out. That it's, that it's light, that it's easy. It's the true place of blessing that I've called you to. We often get this confused. We think that our plans are the best. Oh God, if you would just fulfill what I want you to do, how good my life would be. But nevertheless, Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice and follow after your boring, dull, crazy plan. I don't know. I'm, here I am, Lord. We think that somehow serving the Lord is going to just be this misery. And oh, what we could have had. What I could have been. Oh, my goodness. I've had enough of what I could have been to know that it was misery. And I have found nothing on, from the Lord except blessing and rest and true peace and joy. It doesn't mean that there's no trial. There's trial on on either path. But when you're walking with the Lord, Jesus is saying, come learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. I'm not here to, to, to beat you into submission of my plan. Come and walk with me. Come and learn from me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you blessing. Paul understood this. Paul said, I'm pouring my life out. Because it belongs to the Lord. I'm not fighting it. I'm not chafing at it. And the reason Paul was so compelled was because he loved the Lord. Now that's the key to walking with the Lord. It's not out of some duty or trying to earn favor. It's because we love him. Love is the purest motivator for any service. You know, I'm getting ready to go on this mission trip to India And my wife was out shopping, you know, this week, and she's buying me little goodies to take on the trip. And, you know, I mean, that's half the trip, right, is is the goodies you take with you. I'm going to be on the plane for 24, 25 hours. My plan is to eat and sleep the whole time. So I want to know what what I'm going to take with me. My backpack is so heavy with snacks. 
my wife coming home and she's just bringing it out like, you know, oh, look, I found these for you, you know, and oh, look, I got this for you. And I was just so blessed, you know, she just, she's just so excited to, to help me be well fed on this journey, on this trip. It's because she loves me. She cares about me. And she, it's a joy for her to kind of send me off with my backpack full of, of good things. And truthfully, all service, when it's motivated by love, is a joy. It's not a burden. It's not some chore. It's not something we have to resent doing. It's something we, we long to do. Paul said, I, I don't, I'm not worried about my life. My call is to pour my life out for him, the one I love the one who loved me, the one who poured himself out. Did he hold anything back? Jesus gave his whole life for you and for I, and he calls us to offer ourselves to him. But it's not just his life being poured out. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. You see, Paul understood that his life was coming to an end, at least this first leg of the journey. He knew that this was not the end, but this was merely the departure to a new beginning. This was just getting ready for what was really going to be life indeed. A new journey awaits. And this is is a perspective we need to keep in our journey. This isn't the end. This isn't heaven. This isn't the all in all. We are merely pilgrims on our way getting ready to depart on a long journey for eternal life. And this is the promise that Jesus made his disciples in John 14. You know this passage. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul knew where he was going. Paul knew this chapter was closing only as a launching and departure point for what God had ultimately planned. That's important, believer. We live practically every day, and I'm not saying we get so lofty-minded that we're not paying attention. We need to be diligent right here, right now, but keep eternity in view. Otherwise, you know what? You'll make bad decisions here. You'll make bad choices in in the here and now because you're not thinking of the eternal perspective, not thinking of the things God is ultimately working and calling you to. Paul understood his very present situation was urgent. He was coming to the close of his life, but he also knew that it had just a, a future yet coming. He speaks of the present but he also reflects on the past. Look at verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul is looking back on his journey, on his Christian pilgrimage, and he knows that he has done all that God has called him to. He hasn't done it in his own strength. This is not Paul boasting. This is Paul merely saying, God has brought me through. I fulfilled my charge. I fought the good fight, and it is a good fight. It's a worthy fight. Whatever spiritual forces, whatever we endure for the sake of the kingdom, this is a worthy cause. And he says, I've finished the race. He's not boasting, I won the race. No, I've finished the race. I've finished my course. And here's the truth. God has set a course out before each and every one of us. You have a race to run. You have a course, a map that God has already laid out for your life. And God is, is encouraging you by his spirit every day, stay on course, finish this race, walk with me, trust me, keep that, keep that focus in view because God is leading you to a very important destination, the finish line. The writer of Hebrews says in tw- Hebrews 12.1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is a course that God has for each one of us. Now, you have to begin. 
You can't even run the race if you don't start the race. The, the race begins when you come to faith in Christ. When you settle in your heart, I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord. We sang it today. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. So that course begins when you set your heart to follow after the purposes of God. But you've got to stay the course, don't you? <laughs> don't grow weary in well-doing. That's why he says run with endurance. This is not a sprint. This is a, this is a marathon. It's a long race. The, it's, the, it's the journey of a lifetime. And you want to finish well. Paul is reflecting now. He's come to what's very near the finish line, and he's looking back and saying, here I am at the end, but boy, I can see how God has led me all this way. But he talks about the past, and he also, of course, in verse 8, speaks of a glorious future. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is nearing the finish line, and now he can see. It's, it's as if he could see just past this life. And he's glimpsing now into eternity, and he's seeing that day when he'll stand face to face with Jesus. And he knows that the, the Lord is going to place this crown of righteousness upon his head. Now, I believe that it, Paul's thought here is that I've been made righteous in Christ, but I'm looking forward to the day when he will confirm it by placing that crown upon my head. This is a, a, just a merely a, a statement about the righteousness that God has provided for all those in Christ. And he says, not only me, this is not just my race and my reward. This is for all who will come to Christ, all that will love his appearing, his appearing, his coming and dying and resurrecting on our behalf, his call upon our life, his appearing in the future. We believe that Jesus will come again. We believe we will stand before him. For all that love him, for all that follow him, there is great reward. Paul said this also, and you don't need to turn, but I'll remind you, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Paul is saying, you know, there's, there are things coming that we haven't seen yet. Eye has not seen it. But God, by his Spirit, has revealed these things to us. We don't see it completely, but we have a sense of it in our heart and in the Spirit. And, and it becomes very real. Paul, It's not like Paul could see it all clearly, but Paul knew in his heart that God was faithful and God was bringing him to this place. We're called to live by faith. Your eyes don't get to see it, but your heart knows it. Your heart knows it because the Spirit of God has made it alive to you and real to you. And for the believer, for those that have a relationship with God, oh, you begin to long for it. You begin to sense it. Now, I know all of you, probably there are days when you're just like, Jesus, today would be a great day for you to come. Right now, I'm totally ready. This is horrible. And I've had some of those days, too. But I'm finding even now, just I'm getting a little older, and I, you know, not necessarily out of any crisis or struggle or trial, but as I meditate on the Lord, I'm just thinking to myself, Lord, I'm, I'm looking forward to see you face to face. Wow. To, to, be, to know you as you know me. Lord, I'm, I'm really starting to long for that. This life, Lord, thank you for it. But it's not as glorious as what I believe is coming. And there's this, this preparation in the heart by the Holy Spirit. Hang in there. Stay the course. Oh, I've got something glorious in mind. You're just on a pilgrimage. You're on a long mission trip. But you're coming home. I've prepared a place for you. Stay the course. Keep your eye on what I have for you in eternity. And God will bring it all to pass. He does have a future and a hope for you. 
He does have good plans for you and a good eternal future for you. Keep your heart on that. The course of the journey, past, present, future. Let's talk about the people of the journey. Back to our text Paul gives quite a list of names that he's reminding Timothy of. And Timothy would have known most of these people. We see these names in other places in the New Testament. Some of these names are only mentioned here. But take a look with me at verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Of course, he's speaking to Timothy. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left you with that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Paul goes through this list of names and a variety of different circumstances surrounding each person. And I would just say generally that This is part of the Christian life. There are many relationships that God brings us into contact with as we walk with him. The Christian life is a life filled with people. It's a life all about people. And the Apostle Paul knows many, and Timothy knew them too. These were all part of their journey together. And so we will have many lives that will come through our path. Some will stay Some will not. Some will endure for long seasons. Some will be just brief. And this is part of your walk with the Lord, recognizing that he has lives and people that will come into fellowship with with yours. The most obvious one, of course, is Timothy. Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. Timothy, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I don't know how this trial is going to turn out. But I'm, I'm hoping you can get here. Come, come and bring the cloak and the parchments. I need you, Timothy. You're my long-trusted ministry friend. We've been through a lot together. You've traveled with me since you were a teenager. We've traveled all over the known world preaching the gospel. You know. You know me. I know you come. I want to be with somebody that's like-minded. I want to be with one of my closest colleagues at the close of what could be the close of my ministry. He says later, try to come before winter. It was cold in that dungeon. Get that cloak. I may need it to weather out the winter. Timothy, I need you. And this is the truth of Christian living. There are lives that God brings because we need them. You're not called to do this alone. You're not called to be a lone ranger, independent, self-sufficient. You need the Lord, and you need the lives of those that the Lord has called alongside to be a part of your journey. Paul, you you hear it from his heart. Timothy, this close ministry partner, this close friend, this needed friend. And those those are things that I believe all of us need to be mindful of. Lord, who have you called alongside to walk with me? I want to be that kind of friend, and Lord, I want to discover that kind of friend, somebody that's dependable for ministry, truly like-minded. And this is what united them, their pursuit of the Lord. This is why Paul and Timothy were close, because they both served Jesus. This is not a friendship made in the world. This is a friendship made in the Spirit. And those are the closest relationships for you and me. Look for those that are after God. Those are the lives that you want to connect and find deep fellowship with. But it's not all Timothy's in Paul's life. Look at verse 10 again. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. So here's the sorry truth, church. There are some who will disappoint you. 
There are some who will let you down in this life. Even those, we know that Demas at one time was a co-laborer with Paul, traveled and served in the ministry with Paul. But now here at the end, Demas, because of his love for the present world, has kind of forsaken Paul. Paul's in prison. Where's his ministry going? Looks like he's coming to an end. What's in this for me now? There's no future with Paul. I better go out and find my own future. And he leaves Paul and chases after some kind of worldly enticement. We don't know the details. But the world has a way of of enticing people away from even close spiritual friendships. And that's just the truth, believer. You've got to know this. Don't think it's something totally strange or unusual when people won't go the distance with you as you serve the Lord. This has been my life story. As, I, as the Lord began to work in my life and draw me into what I believed was a deeper calling to, of service and ministry, some of my Christian friends went with, and I still have them. Some didn't. Some weren't interested in that level of commitment. And I'm not saying that I'm some super committed guy, but, I, but as the Lord was drawing me, I, it became apparent we weren't all on the same path. And Demas forsook Paul, and there will be some that will also disappoint and forsake you. He talks about many others, Crescent, Titus, Luke, and Carpus. And then at the end of the, of the chapter, he, he goes through another list of names. Verse 19, he says, Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus, Erastus, stayed at Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus, sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you, as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. I mean, Paul's just got a list of lives that have been a part of his, his ministry. And I think this is part of what God has intended, that we would have many co-laborers in the faith. Some have stayed with him, some he has sent off, some he has left in other places, and this is part of the Christian life. There are going to be lives coming and going throughout your journey. Some are going to come maybe just for a season. You've had those friends, and they're good, and we're serving the Lord together for a season. But then the Lord calls him or her elsewhere, or the Lord calls me somewhere else. We've seen this in even in our own church, our own fellowship. You know, I was serving as a worship-leading pastor for many years at La Mirada, and then the Lord called me out, and the pastor sent me out. Well, we had for a season, we had a real good thing going, and then, well, God had something else in mind, and we see the fruit of it. We see the wisdom of it. Pastor Allen, who prayed for me here this morning, him and his wife have been praying for years about going to Utah to plant a church, a Bible-teaching church in Utah. He and I have been talking about this and praying about it for 10 years. Guess what? It's almost here. He's been kind of tying it to his opportunity to retire. He's been a school teacher in California for 30 years, and now we're coming to the close. It's almost here. We've been running well together, but guess what? God's calling him elsewhere. And I'm going to miss him, but I'm excited to see what God has for him. And you can ask him, how many days till retirement? He'll tell you. I, I said at the first service, I said, I think it's around 56 days. He corrected me. He says, no, it's 53. <laughs> He's planning. He's preparing. And we're happy to send and be a part of that. You see, this is the way the Christian journey is. God brings lives into your into your circle for a season, and you run together, and you serve together. But then God calls you elsewhere. Maybe God calls you alongside someone for a season, but then God calls you elsewhere. So long as it's done in the Lord, so long as those things are done in love and, and not out of some you know, dispute or some kind of forsaking, but all letting the Lord have his way in our lives, and there will be some that God will bring together. And like a Paul and Timothy, God will just keep you together. And that's going to be your ministry, you know, for years and years. We see all of this going on in the church. We see this all, all of this going on in our own lives. Special note here to Mark. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. 
Now, this is of interest to us because this is the Mark. John Mark was his full name. This is the Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. He's a pretty useful guy in ministry, a writer of one of the Gospels. He's also the Mark that was cousin to a man named Barnabas. Now, if you remember in the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul originally went out on his first missionary trip to share the gospel, he went with Barnabas. And that, those, those miracles in the book of Acts on their first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, and they had with them John Mark, Barnabas's cousin. He was just a young man then, and he was there as kind of the assisting on the ministry. But the ministry was hard. A lot of persecution on that first mission trip. Traveling wasn't, wasn't easy. I'm complaining about a long uh, you know, jet lag flight, but boy, traveling in the first century was much more challenging. And so John Mark, somewhere in that journey, he left. He went back home. He said, I can't take it. It's too hard. I miss home. We don't know. But for whatever reason, he left the mission trail. Well, sometime later, when Paul and Barnabas were ready to go out on a second trip, Barnabas said, hey, I want to give John Mark a chance again. He's, he's better now. Let's take him. He's a, good, he's a good guy. He's already been with us. And Paul said, no way. This work is too important. This work is too dangerous. I can't have a guy I can't trust to, to finish with me. I need somebody that we can rely on. I'm not willing to go with John Mark. And Barnabas said, well, okay, then I'll take him with me. And Paul said, then he goes with you, and I'll take Silas with me. And they split paths. So this is interesting now. This would have been years later that Paul is now writing to Timothy. And what does he say? Get Mark. Get Mark and bring him because he's so useful to me for ministry. And this speaks to relationships, the the potential of restoration, the potential of God growing us over time. You know, sometimes we mark people, huh, never trust him again. Uh, He's on my list. Oh, what she said, no way. She's done. She's out. I can't, you know, I'm only, I can only, that's not what God is, that's not what God, how God wants us to behave. And I like this, the Apostle Paul, he had us, he made a strong decision But his heart, as Mark began to grow and do well, Paul's heart was wide open. Get him. Especially now. I want to be with him. I want to have him here because he's useful to the ministry. Keep your heart open. There will be times in the journey where some relationship, some fellowship may be broken. But but they can be restored. Don't burn bridges. You know, Some will come back. Keep your heart open. Don't be unforgiving. Don't be bitter. Don't mark people. Keep your heart open to what God will have. You'd be surprised what God can bring in time. Another special note here, of course, is this man named Alexander. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Another truth for us, believers, on our journey, there will be some looking to harm and hinder the work of God in your life. They will resist your faith. They will resist your words. They will become enemies of the gospel and the work of God through your life. And Paul says, this Alexander is such a man. We don't know the details of how he harmed or injured Paul and the work, but Paul is giving Timothy a clear warning. Timothy, you've got to be wise in your ministry. And as believers, we do need to take note of those that are just against the gospel. Now, we'd like to win everyone to Christ, but we also have to be wise about. Be bold, but be wise. Be careful. Don't look for trouble. Don't get in their face with the gospel. Don't cause that kind of drama. Be bold, but be wise in your going. And Paul is warning Timothy, the Lord, may the Lord repay him according to his works. He just kind of turns this Alexander over to the Lord. He's not plotting revenge. He's not going to figure out a way to get him back. He's just simply saying, Timothy, watch out right now. This guy's heart is against the gospel. Just turn him over. May the Lord deal with him. But you be careful. And that's a, I think that's good wisdom for us as well. And then finally he says this. 
At my first defense, no one stood with me, verse 16, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. I want to say this to your heart today. There will be times, I believe, in your Christian journey where you will be alone. It seems that God allows this process of our life to where we find ourselves alone. Even the closest of friends. He says, all forsook me. We're presuming even Luke, who is now with him as he writes. Now, it wasn't permanent. It wasn't forever. But a season in Paul's life and ministry, it says, when I stood for my first defense. So apparently he was in some kind of a trial proceeding. And at that first defense, no one stood with him. All were either afraid or distracted or who knows. But Paul finds himself alone. Believer, there will be time in your Christian life you're going to be alone. You're going you're to feel like people let you down. You're going to feel like, where are my Christian friends? Where's the support? Where, where are the people that I've loved? Now, now that I, I need them most, now in my time of, of greatest need, I stand alone. And this reminds us of Jesus. You know, when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, all of his disciples, the ones he'd loved and lived with for three and a half years, they'd scattered. Jesus stood alone. You look through the Bible, men that God has used, you'll see times, whether it's Joseph, Moses, David. Uh, there are these great men, these prophets that God used. There were seasons in their life where they stood alone, forsaken. It's almost as if the sufferings of Christ need to be tasted a little bit, even in our own lives. God will allow you to experience that moment, that season, where you're all alone. And it's the reason, I believe, part of the reason is that he wants you to be completely dependent upon him. Now, we see through the rest of the letter, obviously, many of these people came back to Paul, and many of them now are again included in his greeting. So I don't think it, it, was, a, it was a forever moment, but it was a season, and you may experience it. Maybe you're walking through something like that right now. And it's not the time to become bitter. It's not the time to become disappointed in everybody. I'll never trust you again. Oh, I'll never rely on you again. Where were you when I needed you? What, is, what does Paul say? May the Lord not hold it to their account. What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God is not allowing you to be alone so that you can be mad at everybody who let you down. God is trying to draw you into a place of faith and relationship with him and a maturity in Christ where you can say, Lord, forgive them. Lord, don't hold this against them. These are good people. I know they mean well. I know they love you. I know they love me. But for whatever reason, in this circumstance, you have me to stand alone. But here's the beauty, church. You're never really alone. You're never really alone. Look at verse 17. When, all, when no one would, with, would stand with me, let's close with the Lord of the journey. But the Lord stood with me. And strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Paul's conclusion after, at the end of his ministry, the ups and downs of people, the trials, the, the good fight, the long journey. In the end, the Lord was with me. And it says that he stood with me. And God is faithful to stand with you. What are you facing? What overwhelming situation are you in? What lonely place do you feel? He stands with you. He is at your side. He is by, he's always with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He stood with me even in this place where I thought I was alone. He was with me. Not only did he stand with me, but Paul said, he strengthened me. 
And let me just say, if you're going to live the Christian life with any fruit or any kind of victory, you're going to need his strength. You can't do this without him. You can't stand up in your own strength. He will provide the strength. He will provide the grace to endure and to walk through every circumstance. I can't take it. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. God will give you the strength to walk through and to give you victory. And you can't do it without him. You can't do it on your own strength. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But notice why the Lord stood with Paul. Notice why the Lord strengthened him, so that the message might be preached. You see, Paul understood that the, the, the help of God, the power of his spirit, the grace of God being active in his life was directly connected with Paul's ministry calling in life. God gave me the power so the, that I could preach the message he asked me to preach. See, sometimes, again, we get this wrong. We want the power for the things we want God to do. Where's the power? God, why, are, why is this happening? And it's almost like the Lord's, you know, somewhere over here, hey, yeah, uh, you're off course. Yeah, there's no power there. No, no, I'm not in that. That's you. That's your agenda. That's your program. But if you'll come over here, man, I just got power waiting on you. We're ready to go over here. Yeah, but Lord, oh, you see the drama that works out sometimes in the way we live our life. We're always wanting the power where we want it. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. I'm the same way. But I find that God's power and grace work as I am in step with his purpose and calling. Ask the Lord to give you the power in your marriage to love your wife, to, lo to love your husband. You'll find power. You ask the Lord to fix your wife? Mm, that's not his agenda. Where's the power, Lord? She hasn't changed in a lick. I've been praying for her. No. Lord, change me. Ah, now you're in step with what the Holy Spirit wants to empower in your heart. Ask the Lord to work through your life. Lord, open a door for me to be useful in the workplace, to maybe pray or share the gospel with somebody. You watch the power of God open doors. Lord, get rid of this boss and give me a raise. God's not in that program. Give me the strength, Lord, to endure, to be a light even in this difficult situation. God will meet you. God, continue to provide for me and my family as I work diligently and do my best. You watch the power of God work. As you align your heart with the Lord, there's great power. And the Lord, the Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me so that the message might be preached, so that God could be glorified in my life. And that's where all the power is. And it, it says that he delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. God will bring me through all these evil intentions. He says the mouth of the lion. You know, they were giving Christians to the lions in those Roman days. Paul was a Roman citizen. Whether this was a literal risk for him or not, I don't know. But he definitely sensed the evil forces of darkness the enemy who roams about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour, God delivered me and he will deliver me. This is a confidence that, you know what, there's no devil, there's no demon, there's no evil scheme that can thwart what God wants to accomplish through my life. He delivered me, he will deliver me. And he'll bring me all the way home, all the way to his heavenly kingdom. I'm done when he's done. When, when he's finished with me on the earth, that's when I go home. Before then, you devils, you do what you want. God has got my back. When he calls me home, I'm out of here. And that's your confidence today, too. As you walk with the Lord, if God's for you, who can be against you? You're not, when he's done, you're done. By the way, that works both ways. You can't, out, you can't stay longer than, you want, than he wants you to either. Those days are up, they're up. But until then, God is with you, and he delivers him from the evil. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, Paul said in Ephesians 6.11. Of course, there are schemes and evil plans, but the Lord is your strength, and he is stronger. 
than the devil. Paul finishes up, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he finishes the, the letter, verse 22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. If we were to sum up all that's said here, I would say, God, Paul is saying, to him be glory. Look, all of this journey is to the glory of God. And that's what God is after in your life, to be glorified. God wants to be glorified. He wants to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants to be glorified in your life. This is his, he is the Lord of the journey. He is the one who is over it all. You're not just bumping around haphazard circumstance. No, God is looking to direct your steps. God is looking to be glorified in your life. And he says, uh, grace be with you. It's all for his glory, and it's all by grace. It's all by his mercy, his love. Are you the Lord's today? Are you walking with him today? Are you asking him to be glorified in your life? Are you leaning into his grace? The journey of a lifetime. It's a great call. It's a great opportunity. But it all, it's all for his glory, and it's all by his grace. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for these closing verses from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And we see in Paul's writing just this, this victory and hope, he's in a dungeon of a prison about ready to, to give his life. And yet, he writes as though he's a man getting ready to walk among the stars. Because in the spirit, he saw what you would called him to. And he saw the fruit of the life that he'd lived for you and how you'd used it for your glory. And so he writes to Timothy to encourage him, to strengthen him in hopes to see him one last time for fellowship, for prayer. And God, I pray for us today that as we consider this calling, this journey, Lord, and we're all somewhere in this process, that we would recognize you've set a course for us to be faithful in, that you've brought people into our lives to be a part of the journey, and Lord, that you ultimately are the Lord of the whole journey. It's all unto you and by you. And as our heads are bowed here today and we prepare to close in a song of worship, I do want to give an opportunity if you're here today and the Lord has spoken to you and you want to respond to the Lord. I'm just going to pray for you and ask for you to identify if you need this prayer. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord in a personal way. You haven't yet begun the journey, but you hear the Lord calling you. You've been on your own agenda. You've been, and you are weary. And you are heavy laden. And you realize that Jesus is saying, hey, come. Come unto me. I'll give you rest. I'll forgive you. I died on the cross for your sins. I'll fill you with my spirit. I'll begin to direct your life, your steps. I've got plan for you, purpose. Maybe you're here today and you're ready just to begin with Jesus and you've just got to come and receive it. Confess, acknowledge your need of him. He'll forgive you, cleanse you, and put you on course. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus, but if you were honest, you would say, I'm off course. I've lost my way in this journey. I need to come back. I'm not running the race he set before me. I'm off somewhere on some side journey of my own. Maybe it's a result of your own pursuit. Maybe a result of some sin or bondage. Maybe some hurt, something that's been done to you and you, you're just locked up in, in unforgiveness and bitterness. It's just raging in your heart. That's not his path for you. And maybe the Lord is inviting you, come back home and come get back on track. And you just need to recommit your heart to the Lord and say, God, I, I just need to reset my compass for you and towards you. God, I want to recommit my heart to you today. I'd love to pray for you. So if you're here today and you want to receive Christ or you want to recommit your heart to Christ, would you just raise your hand? Let me see you and I'm going to pray for you. 
God bless you. A hand right up front here on the aisle. God bless you. Another hand here as well. Hands over here on the back. God bless you. A number of people responding. Anyone else? We're just going to pray. Amen. Amen. More hands. best race it's the best journey you could ever live his yoke is easy his burden is light come I'll give you rest learn from me my heart is gentle and loving towards you anyone else just before we pray raise your hand high God bless you So, Lord, these hearts responding to you today. Lord, I pray first that these hearts would be greatly encouraged. That they would know from the Holy Spirit in a very personal way that you love them, that you are for them, that you are with them. That you are mighty not only to save, but to strengthen them, to deliver them, to preserve them all the way to the finish line. And so, God, that they would just come to you honestly and openly and say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me, God, for my sin. And I thank you for your work at the cross. Forgive me for going my own way. Forgive me for getting off course. I'm coming home to you today. I'm committing my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Keep my heart on course with you. I know you love me. I know you've got a good plan and destiny for my life. I want to live in it. I want to walk in it. Enough of my own way. I'm trusting in you, Lord, and looking to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.